Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Target has a kick-ass pickup. They I have never, and there's only one time that they messed up and they took a long time and forgot one of my things. And they actually gave me a $10 gift card Whoa. for messing wow. up. $5 because I had to wait more than 10 minutes and then $5 for the item that they that and you know forgot. they've got nice. they're going to have a huge sale this summer too them and some Who of the target? other yeah them and some of the other major retailers are trying to get people to come into their stores because they have so much um extra stock of things mm-hmm. and all of their stuff from overseas finally showed up yeah exactly <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so that they're trying to they're trying to do something to rival Prime Day, and they're doing these huge sales this summer. So nothing will rival Prime Day. I'm like all oh, getting ready. It's it's really it's really sad. I am so prepared for Prime Day. I'm like getting all my gift cards together. Jeez. I'm making my stupid list. This is <laughs> oh, this is my Christmas. Oh my god! Did you see that video? That um, I think it was Phyllis posted it and tagged me on it, or it might have been Martha. About the dogs that order Amazon. I need to tell no, Echo, no, just wait till me. Prime Day. Was it? I, thought, I don't remember. I, I think it was Phyllis. I think it was either Phyllis I think it Sarah. was too. Yeah. Oh my God, that was so hilarious. I've I've seen those TikToks before with Layla the boxer because she looks just like She Echo. does. She looks just she like, like Echo. When I, just thought, like Echo. I, when I first saw it, I thought it was Echo. And then I yeah. saw that it was a shared post, but. You know what, yeah. Pat? You know what, Pat? Last week. I knew we would talk about Prime Day again, so I I, I was it, kind of looking forward to hearing what you had to say about your favorite things that you bought from Amazon. But and, and mine are mine are not big ticket items. They're just two little things that have made my life like way easier in the last year. They are kitchen gadgets, both of them, and one of the one of them is just a simple. It's a bench scraper. I did not really know about bench scrapers before I started watching the Great British Baking Show. Oh. And I was like, oh, bench scrapers. But they have, what's nice about these, I have a, I have a metal bench scraper with the wooden handle and the whole, you know, yeah. that's, you know, he- if you're scraping something heavy duty, but it's this pair of plastic bench scrapers that have a, nut- they have a beveled edge. So if you're cutting, if you're sectioning dough for like rolls or something, you get a nice sharp cut with them. And the top, it's it's square on one side and rounded on the other side. And that rounded side is like perfect for scraping things out of bowls. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to look up what the yeah. hell that thing All right. was. You I got, got one of them. You got me. Yeah. I don't have that. Yeah. yeah, that's so useful. And the other thing is that silicone pot strainer, which if. if I love that I, thing. I, I saw am, you put it and it's one of my favorite things ever. Yeah, it, it's it's. If you are one of those people who has ever juggled trying to drain water off your spaghetti by holding the lid just at the right angle so the water escapes, but the spaghetti doesn't and all that, this thing just clips on, it fits any pan, it's silicone, it's got two spring clips on the sides, and 
it fits any pan you want. You clip it on, you drain the water off and boom. It's really good for draining fat from ground beef. Oh. Mm, which I always have an issue with. Sold. It's the best. Sold. Okay, I'm getting both of those things. <laughs> They're going in my prime bucket. I can't believe I didn't know that thing was called a bench scraper. I don't know what yeah. I call it. Those it's just that weird things? thing in yeah. my drawer. I used to have one of those and it disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. But I used to use it on my pizza stone. I used to spray oh, my pizza yeah. stone. See, down I have with it. I have those little things mm-hmm. that you got from the Pampered Chef, those little square brown things. I have, those too. I have a ton mm-hmm. of those that I use for like like my cast cast iron skillet when because Ron does bacon in it. Mm-hmm. So I use that to scrape that out. Mm-hmm. I have I have like one of those left, I think, from back when you had your pampered chef party. God, how many and years I, ago like, was that? Jesus. I I treasure it. I mean I keep <laughs> You know they have new for? ones now. They have blue right. ones now and they're Ooh. fancier. Really? They have like three little sections. What yeah. I find it really good for is scraping wax off of things. I'm a candle burner. Oh. And so eventually I will get we'll get a wax spill on the tile floor or on a wooden bookshelf or something. And those little scrapers are great for just zipping the wax off without. Man, I, I use yeah, it for so many things that are not kitchen related. Uh, I used to be a scrapbooker and I always had one in my bag. I mean, those things are just it, it's ridiculous how much a tiny little piece of plastic. I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. We we need to see if we there if there are any book girls who are pampered chef people so they can uh, give us <laughs> give us give us the uh, the new stuff. I haven't done a pampered chef party in like ten thousand years. I know I haven't either. But it's mainly because the girl that was living out here retired, and I just never hooked up with anybody. It's weird after your pampered chef person retires, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like when you lose your hairdresser like i don't want some weirdo coming in my house what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) i can't have parties because when i first moved here i mean and i was a social person i would have parties and anytime i hosted a party like no one would come (gasps) maybe two people i don't know what it was i would go to tons of parties and there would be lots of people but i am i am a jinx with home parties Most of the time, I don't like them, to be perfectly honest, even though I sold, too stressful. I sold jewelry for years, and I was the person. Which kind? The Leah Sophia kind? No, Silpata, which was. So here had that. <laughs> nice stuff. It's not. It, yeah, it wasn't cheap. But I, I can tell you one thing for sure is that all of those pieces that I still have have appreciated in value over time, and you can't say that about any of that other shit. Hmm. Because the price of silver's gone up. So. You should have a sex toy party. I'm That's sorry, an adult Tupperware party. You Although should have a quote-unquote found... <laughs> Tupperware party. I've, uh, I've been to one of those, too, at, le- at least. <laughs> you know, the one, the one of those that I went to was so, it was when we lived in Graham, Texas, which I don't know if I've ever talked to you guys about that very much, but it was a very dark time in my life. Very, very, very dark because it was a dry county so no so nobody talked I mean if you said something about having a glass of wine people looked at you like you'd murdered someone you know you just didn't talk about that in public it was all very religious which I'm not and the only thing you ever got invited to was church 
So I have no idea how I ended up getting invited to this thing. It was probably because I was selling jewelry and whoever I had come into contact with invited me to go. But I didn't know any of the people. I, I knew one person that was there. And, and this person had invited all of her female relatives. So the room was full of older women. And when I say older women, I mean a lot of older women. And it was people who, who you just wouldn't think would show up to a sex party. It was really, uh, it was eye-opening. It was, it was sort of like the first time you go to a male strip show in town. And you see these women on the street all the time and they're all buttoned up and, you know, proper. And they pretty much don't do anything but go to church on Sunday. And then they show up to the male strip thing and they got some guy grinding on their lap, you know, and they're like, woo! tucking bills into the g-strings and everything that's sort of what it reminded me of it reminded me of a small town strip show nice oh so it, you know the lady's like here go in the bathroom and put this on your hoo-hoo and then tell me how it feels so these old ladies come back out and they're like "Ooh, that feels nice you know they're squirming around in their chair and i'm like oh my god i don't know these people it's so weird the one i went to they held in the kind of in the private party area of a bar at happy hours. <laughs> so. Well, I've been to like three sex parties because everybody seems to think that I need to go to sex parties. <laughs> <laughs> and I should say adult toy parties. That makes it sound like I'm a swinger. And <laughs> one of them that I went to, I was eight months pregnant. <laughs> oh my God. And you know, I don't know if they did these at yours, but they always had like this anonymous quiz where you're supposed to rate yourself. You know, like if you're wearing colored underwear, give yourself a one. If they're bikini cut, give yourself another point. Okay. If, if they're like a thong, you know, give yourself another point. If, you, if you're like wearing that. a butt plug, you get extra points, right? Yeah. <laughs> you get the booby prize if you're wearing a butt plug. But, um, <laughs> but I was eight months pregnant. And so I had white granny panties on. <laughs> so, so I won. <laughs> for the lowest score <laughs> oh my god but like people that i would work with that i worked with like one person had one and then other people book off of their party kind of like yeah. pamper chef and and everything well then they invite the same people so you end up going to one party and then get invited to a bunch yeah and mm -hmm. i mean they were always fun i always had a good time I don't think I bought anything from them. See, I always had a problem where I was afraid to go to a party unless I bought something. So uh, after a while, I just had to stop going because I was well, I like One of them, I bought like this body butter stuff. That stuff was the best thing ever. At the sex toy party? At the sex toy party. It was, huh. it was body butter, so it went, and it was edible body butter. Ew. Okay, this is so you just be laying there, <laughs> you know, like right. the, the edible like lubricant and stuff that you could buy. Uh -huh. like, I had bought some of that before, and it just ended up being a sticky mess. Yeah, and it was just not no thanks doing what it's supposed to do. But this 
edible body butter was freaking fantastic and it tasted really good. <laughs> so you'd be laying there on the couch, nobody's around, you can rub some on yourself and lick it off. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was spreading that shit on crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is great what tip is this strawberry <laughs> body butter vanilla ish and just a little bit sweet and a little hmm. bit strawberry but it didn't it wasn't like an overwhelming taste it wasn't like chapstick because no it wasn't like chapstick every one of those things i smell those fruity lube and fruity this and fruity that it always makes me think of eating chapstick and there was one thing that I saw at one of those parties that was really interesting and I should have bought it at the time, but it was a candle that when you um, burn it down, like the, the warm wax, you could use like massage oil. Like when it was burnt down, it didn't get like overly hot, like regular hard wax. Huh. So, so then you could make, oh, like, so, hmm. so then when you poured it into your boyfriend's navel they wouldn't burn so much exactly (laughs) (laughs) they wouldn't have three three third degree burns inside their (laughs) (laughs) singe off all of their happy trail (laughs) (laughs) you gotta think about you gotta think about the origins of things like body waxing body waxing yeah. Somebody had to do some experimentation on that shit. It kind of makes you wonder. Maybe somebody got carried away with the candle thing and then that just ripped that shit off. Somebody got all high on shrooms <laughs> and said, let's try this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Vanessa. <laughs> or just filled a candle and went, holy shit, I just ripped off half of my. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, that felt like shit, but oh my god, how smooth. <laughs> yes. Boy. I'll take three, please. <laughs> or think about the first person who accidentally lasered off their hair before they actually did it for payment. That was probably a scientist. Yeah. Carl got in Carl. the laser stream. Carl, come here, feel my leg. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in front of the laser. <laughs> I feel my leg. <laughs> feel my chest. It's all smooth. <laughs> I left the door open. Ron just came in and he gave me the <laughs> close the door because he heard me in here. He can only hear my side of the conversation. That's kind of good. <laughs> just the cackling. Just the cackling. Shall we transition on to something book related? Maybe. <laughs> this is kind that. of a this is kind of a fun conversation though. We we'll definitely have to come back to how how things got invented. <laughs> okay, so there was no lasers or inventing in my book. Um I did no another body, nonfiction. No body butter. No body butter. Well, not that they talked about not the the good kind of body butter, not any kind of body butter that I want to promote. Let's just say that. And um, this is another nonfiction, kind of a nonfiction, true crime kind of book, because I've been in a nonfiction spiral lately. I need to get out of it because it's depressing. The Outlaw Ocean by 
Ian Urbina. This is written by a reporter who has done a lot of controversial subjects. And one of the ones that he has written about is ships that troll for seafood and some of the very not right methods that they use to get their seafood quotas. This is very graphic. So I would be prepared. So many trigger warnings in this. And what it is, is he kind of goes from ship to ship, um, trying to see the conditions that the workers are in. And some of these conditions are horrific. They're horrible. Um, some of the things that he's come across is kind of like trafficking. When you think of trafficking, you think of sex trafficking. But what they do is they promise for people from these Asian countries who don't make a lot of money, they promise them that they can make all of this money if they go and work on this ship. And then they get on this ship, they sign up to work on this ship, and it's not what they expected. And they're treated horribly. A lot of them are sexually abused by the other workers, by the captains on the ship. He basically will go down and just pick whoever he decides that he wants to spend the night with, and they have to go. In one of the stories, the individual that they tricked onto the ship was handcuffed around his neck and chained to the deck so he wouldn't escape. I, I mean, it's just, after reading this book, I definitely understand why it's important to find food sources that are ethically sourced. Yikes. Because it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible that they trick these people onto these boats and then they're basically stuck because where are you going to go? You're on this boat in the middle of international waters where there's no laws. So they can basically do just whatever they want to do to them. And there's no repercussions. All they do is, you know, if they go into waters that's owned by a specific country, they just slap a different flag on their ship and they're not held to the laws of the country that they're sailing in, in the waters that they're sailing in. It was good, but it was scary. Very, very scary. <laughs> but one of the things, one of the stories that I liked in this book though, was it had a section about a ship that I can't remember the name of the ship, but they would actually go into international waters and help women like lower income, poorer women with abortions in countries where it was illegal because they were in international waters, they couldn't prosecute them. And it was called uh, women on waves. And I, I'm pr pretty sure that the lady who runs it or ran it, I don't know if she still does, Rebecca Gombertz, I think is her name. Anyways, I mean, she talked about a strong woman, you know, staring down authorities, you know, being threatened to be shot down, your ship being sunk, and she still has the ship and helps women with abortions who can't otherwise afford them or wouldn't, wouldn't have that option. I mean, that section was pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> and I think it's pretty relevant for our current political climate. Yeah, you're going to have to include that information. We might need it. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody get to the ocean. <laughs> it was a good book. I really enjoyed it. It it kept my attention. It was very riveting. 
there are facts and figures, but because it's written by a reporter, it's more about the people on each. It's almost like a report of each of these ships and how these people were treated. And also what he goes through having to live on these ships that don't have, you know, sometimes they don't have clean water. He, you know, can't take a shower. He talks about one time they told him and his camera person that they were going to have to sleep on the floors and everything. And the other workers on the boat told them, you don't want to sleep on the floors. You don't want to sleep on the floors. And they were like, oh no, we're fine. We can sleep on the floors. And uh, lights went off and there were so many rats crawling all over the floors that they decided they were going to try to get a hammock or something then sleep on the floors. But I mean, the conditions. How do rats get on a boat? Why wouldn't you just sweep them all over the side? Well, they're attracted because of all the food you have to put on the boat. Because when you're Mm going to be at sea for two months at a time, you got to pack a lot of food and bait. Yeah. So they're attracted to that. I'd be sweeping them over the side of the ship every yeah. day. That's why you need my job. That's why you got to have cats. The bugs and the rats cats, that he yeah. talks about. Oh my God. That's why there was Just, always a ship. Oh my God. That, that's why there was always a ship's cat. Well, they Dude, would it need sounds about like this cat would have been overturned. Yeah. Those rats would have been picking the cat up and throwing it over the side. <laughs> yeah. It's a super good read and eye opening. Because I didn't know all of this stuff happened. I just was Googling and looking for nonfiction books about ships because of the one that Pat read and I read. Um, what was the name of that one that you Endurance. Endurance. And that book was so great that I wanted to read more books. And I came across this and like, Outlaw Ocean. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you, made it, you were in a rabbit hole. It get, I mean, good Lord. It's a good thing this isn't on TV because I, this is not one that I want in my dreams. <laughs> Binging this would be a nightmare. It would be, yeah. It would definitely be a Halloween <laughs> kind of story. And that again was called The Outlaw Ocean by Ian Urbina. But holy crap, the things that these people do. Whew. Part of it talks about them fishing the coral reefs and what they're doing, you know, they're fishing the coral reefs and they're taking out the, the sharks and the sharks are such a big part of the ecosystem that it, the coral reefs end up dying. Hmm. Where are they taking the sharks for soup? Shark fin soup. I will never, ever eat shark fin soup now because it said what they do is they catch these sharks. They cut off their fins and then throw them back in the ocean to die a slow, agonizing death. Because they don't die because they're in the ocean, but they can't swim without their fins. So they end up sinking to the bottom of the ocean and just starving to death. That's but it takes, very nice. it takes a long time for them to starve to death. Yeah, yeah. I'm fairly certain sh- shark fin soup is being outlawed by a lot of countries, <clears throat> but sadly, you know. If you want it bad enough, I guess you can get it through ill-begotten means. Well, yeah. It's just like anything that's right. like that. I mean... Foie gras. Foie gras. Foie gras. Foie gras. I don't know exactly how they do it, but I've heard that they force feed the geese. Yeah. 
Until their liver goes to an enormous size and then they kill the bird and take the liver. Yeah, I mean, it was, I, I'm fairly certain it originated in France and now you can't get it in France because they've outlawed it because it's so terrible. Yep. They talk about whaling ships. Oh, uh, I bet uh, that's awful. Hmm. There's trigger, I just, I was, trigger warnings all over the damn place in this book. I was horrified. <laughs> you talk I'm about, serious. You talk about the fucking dog dying. This is way worse. Holy crap. How many sharks and pirates and rats died in this book? <laughs> <sighs> the pirates i don't care if they died the rats i'm not I, I don't really care if they died but i mean the sharks and the whales dudes just no you can't be doing you can't be killing the whales now i'm Oof. sad again i'm sorry Bonnie. <laughs> need another adult tupperware party <laughs> <laughs> that's what you need Need now, some edible body butter and crackers now. Honey, ah. in the South, we got to call it Bible study or we can't call it nothing. Need to go to an adult Bible study. I haven't mentioned <laughs> lately how much I hate windows. Keeps popping <laughs> random shit up in here. And I, I'm like, I don't want to look at the news right now. God damn it. Stop. I'm mad at Google and their news feed. Every single time I, I log in, they've got a celebrity that's wearing a bikini as one of my news stories. I was telling Mr. Keith the other day that it's getting ridiculous. I mean, I've gotten like 17 of these. I'm like, I don't click on people in swimsuits. Why? What are you doing to me, Google? Do you hate me? Do you know that I'm, you know, like not happy with swimsuits? Like, so you're just egging me on by showing me these gorgeous people in swimsuits? Hate you, Google. Well, it's better than my Google feed because every time I pull it up, something about Trump pops up. Jesus Christ. I don't know what you guys have been searching. You do know what I've been searching. I don't know why. Like, I have to put all these links to all these weird things you guys talk about. Why don't I get news reports about giant vaginas? I don't know. Oh, that's why I get Trump. I Google giant vagina. <laughs> A giant chocolate penis is definitely not Trump. That's probably why I don't have any of that on mine. <laughs> giant chocolate penis. All right. Was that supposed well, to be a giant chocolate penis, by the way? Did they mean it to look like that? Oh, yeah. It Maybe it's because I'm dieting, so they think that I just need a little penis <laughs> and not a big one. Uh, erotic food. Uh, one of the best ad campaigns, because since I used to, used to work in advertising and I would read magazines about ad campaigns. And one of them was for an erotic bakery. I'm pretty sure it was in San Francisco. And this was 30 years ago and they were print ads, but one of the best ones was, uh, or it was just the baker, it was a candy store movie, but it, and I forget the name of it. It was like, let's say it was Sweet Temptations. I don't know that that's right, but it was like Sweet Temptations wants to remind you that our annual sale doesn't start until June 15th. We'd hate to have you come prematurely. Oh! <laughs> that really is good. You got to admit that's good. That's a good line. Yeah, it is good. I mean, there could be a real market for that. Could you imagine making like dick-shaped cream-filled donuts? Mm, I sure can. I sure can imagine that. <laughs> hey, man, there's a bunch of bachelor part bachelorette parties going on, and they need straws with penises and... Uh, Chocolate yep. shaped like that's right. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a market for it. Speaking of a market for um, market for romance, yes, 
was trying to, I was trying to think of something. I really wanted to see where she was going. I, I was trying to think of something something uh I knew where you were trying to go. A, I just wanted to see what you were A market for love. A market for love. Nice. Keith, show us your big chocolate dong. <laughs> I was a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my book doesn't have any chocolate penises in it. Damn it. Very sad. Because what book wouldn't be better with that? My book is called Dream On by Angie Hawkman. This book has the most interesting premise I've really ever found in a romance. So I was really intrigued. It's about a woman named Cass, and she is a lawyer. She just passed the bar. And so the night that she passes the bar, she goes to drive home. And when she wakes up, she's in the hospital. And it turns out that she's been in a coma for the last six days. And she has lots of lots of injuries. So she's pretty much banged up for about eight months while she's doing physical therapy. And she has like huge, like a really bad concussion. She's having all these memory issues and things. But one of the biggest things that happened while she was in this coma is she has, when she wakes up, she's asking for this guy named Devin. And her, the people closest to her, like her best friend, her mother, nobody has ever heard of this guy. But Cass had, while she was in the coma, she had all these really intense dreams and they really seemed like memories. So I, and she's, she's an artist in her free time. So she draws these really realistic pictures of him. She does all these sketches of him. She knows bizarre things about him, like that he, he broke his pinky on in a trampoline accident when he was young. Just so many things. She knows so much about him and she has so many memories of him and that for a long time, she's very convinced that they had a relationship and everybody around her is like, you did not. And it's so crazy that they actually do an, an article about her <laughs> and the weird memories that she's made up. So, I mean, basically she spends all this time in recovery trying to come to terms with the fact that these memories of this amazing relationship she was in are false because she, she really liked this guy and she feels like from the memory she has of dating him that they, like he was the one and everything. So it's a year later, she is starting to get her life back. She's getting back into law. She's got a job at a, at a law agency that she's starting. And she runs into this guy, Devin, outside of a flower shop. And he's never met her. But she explains, and she faints when she sees him. So uh, he sticks around and she explains everything and explains that she's got all these memories, but they've never met. And they're all very confused, but he decide, they decide to try dating because maybe it's like this fate thing. So it's almost a mystery during the book because you're, she still kind of wants to figure out why she has all these memories of this guy and why he doesn't know her. And that's, the whole book is very, I mean, it just goes on kind of normal. They date and everything, but she really never stops wanting to know 
how this is working. They're there. It's you're almost wondering if it's this spiritual, like fate kind of, I don't even know how to put it. Like somebody has a hand in their relationship kind of thing and they're being pushed together kind of thing. But it was really interesting, especially just because she was involved in this huge accident. It took her all this time to recover and she, it's literally the day after she's decided enough's enough. Obviously, this guy's a figment of imagination that she meets him. So it almost undoes all the stuff that she was working toward to kind of realize that none of those memories were real. It was really, really interesting. It was a really good love story, too. I gave it five stars. I like this writer a lot. She always has really different kind of romances with just not your usual boy meets girl kind of thing there is one megan blush the there's one descriptive sex scene it doesn't happen till the very very end of the book so if that kind of thing turns you off you could really kind of skip it because it's really kind of there's no real reason for it to be there except if you're like me and you're like hooray finally sex but um, yeah, so if that doesn't, I mean, because I know there are a lot of people who would rather read, uh, they're called Closed Door, where they, you know, you know that stuff is going on. They just don't describe it. So, I mean, this could be that for you. You would just skip like literally the last five pages. Um, but it was really, really good. I highly recommend it. It's just twisty and turny and I can't, I cannot get over how strange it was. It's just not like anything I've ever read, but I liked that a lot. Uh, so again, that was called Dream On by Angie Hockman. Let's move on to Pat's review. Pat, you always find interesting things to read. Well, and and I'm, I'm a little outside my, my normal comfort zone again. Uh, with a nonfiction book called Mother Trucker. Oh, <laughs> Mother Trucker. I'll take that. Mother Trucker. It's by Amy Butcher. And it is, uh, I guess you'd class it as a memoir. She is a professor, um, I think, of within like literature, in the field of literature and specializing in gender studies and things at a Midwestern university. So a woman successful in her career, published, sought out as an expert on things, but still suffering from low self-esteem, she finds herself in a relationship which is not physically abusive, but it is psychologically abusive and somewhat terrifying. This guy just screams at her. He screams at her until she finds herself curled up in a ball trying to crawl behind the toilet Holy and just shit. shaking uncontrollably. And a lot of it is religion-based. She was an atheist. Uh, all was raised that way all her life. He is very religious. And so she decides if this is the deal breaker, maybe I can find religion. And she makes an honest effort to, but it just never feels entirely right to her. And he has people from his church basically telling him, yeah, she's bad for you. She's an evil person. You're, you know, this is never going to work. And it's a bad place. And even though she's a woman with some resources, She's not destitute or friendless or anything like that. She has a job. She has other connections, but she still finds it hard to escape from this relationship. And she follows this woman on Twitter, I think, who went by the handle of Joy Mother Trucker. She was 
a trucker in Alaska who drove that route from Fairbanks to Prudhoe Bay. It's considered one of the most dangerous highways in the world. And she was apparently, she, you know, she would post about things. Well, this Amy, the, the woman writing the memoir, kind of got fixated on her and contacted her and, and eventually got to the point where Joy invited Amy to come to Alaska and drive this, this trucker's route with her. And so she did. And it's about how she, what she learns about being self-sufficient. Uh, Joy came from a real tough background. She, she was in an abusive relationship. She was married at 17, had a couple of kids very early on in, in her life and, and had to pull herself out of that and had gotten herself into a good place, but still also struggled with some relationship issues. Uh, it, a lot of the book is a rumination on how women get stuck in these positions that from outside people can look at it and go, well, why didn't you just, and it, it's kind of a, an answer to that. Why didn't she just leave? Well, it's not always that easy. But anyway, what, uh, what the memoir tells you right up front in the author's introduction that makes this whole thing especially poignant is that four months after Amy went on this drive with Joy, Joy's truck overturned and she was killed in an accident. Mm. And it was, she was not one of the ice road truckers. She wasn't a celebrity, but she had so many followers, I think on Twitter that she was, she was a Twitter celebrity and it's just a very interesting book. Very, uh, Joy was also a very religious person, but didn't come at it from the same kind of pushy way that Amy's partner was. You know, she wasn't screaming at people. She wasn't, she was just, she was really trying to live out what her faith told her to do. And so there was a pretty interesting contrast there and in strong religious faith manifesting itself in two very different ways, one negative and one positive. And uh, it was, it was a very interesting book. It's not a very long book. It's a quick read. Uh, it's well-written. And Lisa has that has that extra degree of I hate to say this with Martha on the call. Poignancy. You said it already. <laughs> Believe me, you said it, and I had to keep my pie hole shut because it was a really delicate moment. But uh, yeah, it does have an have that emotional twist to it. So I I found it pretty interesting, pretty a, a story that stays with you after you finish it. So that is Mother Trucker by Amy Butcher. They're making a movie. Julianne Moore is Joy Mother Trucker. Oh, I, I saw that. I, I like that. her. I'd forgotten. Yeah. That'll be a fun movie to watch. I love is the my, her name is Joy Mother Trucker. Is my microphone working okay now? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Does it sound weird? Martha, you got a face. Okay. She always has a face. <laughs> she was doing weird things. I don't know what she, she's doing. She's been doing that the whole podcast. Look at her. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do here. Well, you're going to review a book. Yes, I'm going to review a book. It won't have any romance in it. It won't be poignant. <laughs> See, I know so many things about what you will do. <laughs> All right. I think I've decided. <clears throat> Actually, I got this from one of the lists. I do believe it was a Book Riot article about time. One of the lists. <laughs> about, about time travel books. Oh. Ooh. And you know I love time travel books. So I'm always interested to try something new. This book was called The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascarenhas. I know I probably am saying that wrong, but 
The beginning of this book takes place in 1967. And there are four women scientists involved in working on this time travel issue. And they build the world's first time machine, and they're just about ready to tell the world about it. And basically, they're experimenting on themselves. So what they do is they start doing little travels here and there. First, they do it with rabbits, and they send rabbits back and forth. And then they decide, well, before we debut this thing to everyone, we need to make sure this works on people. So they start traveling. And everybody does pretty good, but one of them starts having some mental issues. She suffers a breakdown in such a way that it frightens the other three women that are involved. And one of them, who's particularly brutal, decides that the best way to deal with it is to completely cut off this fourth member Mm. of the group. So they completely cut her out of everything and they cut off all communication with her. And then they go ahead and, you know, debut their time machine and do all of these other things. And then it kind of kind of shoots forward in time to a later time. And one of the granddaughters is one of the main characters. And she talks about Granny B who was one of the pioneers. One of the things that this book had was a lot of characters. And it was a bit confusing (laughs) because, of course, they're all women. So it was difficult sometimes as I was listening to it to determine exactly who was who. And since there's time travel going on, you've also got that element of you don't really sometimes know when you are because they're talking about traveling so often and in these different time periods so often that it's really hard to get your bearings. But basically what happens is what there, there's a closed-door murder involved, a literal closed-door murder, but they don't know who it is. They don't know who the woman is that's, that's been killed. It's in the basement of a toy museum, and the girl who works there walks in, and she knows something's not quite right, because the door's open. It's not supposed to be open. She's a volunteer and she goes down and, you know, she can smell it, obviously, because it's awful. And she finally gets the door open and it's not locked, but she can't get it open because there's a body against it. So she gets the door Mm. open and basically the door, there's nobody else in the room except this woman who's been shot a bunch of times. There's also a detective involved who's trying to solve the mystery. So that was one of the reasons that I was attracted to it, because you know I love a good mystery. So that's really what kept me reading, more so than all the relationshipy. I like reading about girlfriends as much as the next person does, and sometimes I'm in the mood for that. And there was a, there was a, a bit of that, but there's also a queer romance going on at the same time, because one of the time travelers falls in love with, I think it's the granddaughter. Oh, anyway, confusing. But I stuck with it for the mystery because I wanted to find out how in the hell this person ended up being shot when there was no gun in the room. There was no trace of anybody else in the room. There were these plastic shards laying on the, on the floor. 
and obviously the bullets. But there was ice a, gun. There was a surveillance <laughs> camera, and the surveillance camera didn't catch anybody. So they're just trying to figure out what happened. And that part of it was really good. I really enjoyed the story overall. But like I said, it did have a lot of little, there were so many characters. And some of it was so confusing because of the time travel that it was kind of hard to grasp onto. Having said all of that, I read it very quickly and I enjoyed it immensely. So it did give it four stars, even though the ratings weren't quite as high from some of the other people on Goodreads when I went to look at the at what everybody else thought of it. It's only got a 3.72 on Goodreads. However, the mystery that's involved in, in it and some of the relationships that are in it, it, it's pretty much all women. I don't think there are any men in this book at all, which is, to me, hmm. pretty damn awesome. It's, <laughs> it's very... It's very women-centric, and I think that somebody who enjoys a book that's maybe a little different might like it. As you know, right up my alley. So I'm definitely, I probably would have given it a higher rating if it hadn't been so confusing when it came to who the characters were. I don't know whether it was because of the narrator having such similar voices for everyone or <laughs> what exactly what exactly it was that made me confused but I enjoyed the writing though and I and I thought it was really overall a good book and that was called The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascarenhas nice yeah her other book looks really interesting too it's about people that make dolls and each doll has like an emotion magic into it Oh, that's interesting. I put both of those on my TBR because they sound fascinating. Thief on the Winged Horse, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. The writing style was a little different. Sometimes, though, with every being, everything being so formulaic these days, yeah. I get really weary of some of these twisty thrillers and mysteries sometimes you just got to have something that's a little different and this just left a perfect taste in my mouth for for something that was it wasn't really I wouldn't call it magical because it was science related but they didn't really do a lot of explaining how the time travel itself worked yeah so that's why it kind of felt it had kind of a magical feel to it man I wish I could time travel through Lots of things in my life. <laughs> I used to say when Dylan was young, I wished I could time travel from age 17 through age 22. Just race, you know, just sleep <laughs> sleep through that entire time so I wouldn't have to worry constantly. Heard. Yes. Speaking of teenagers, did your um, daughter ever make it out of Texas? <laughs> yeah, she's home. Good. good, good. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was good times. That did not she texted sound- me the she just texted the weirdest things like like at one they handed her $320 when she landed in Texas for all our meals. And I was like, and this is gonna be the stupidest thing that ever happened. Because what child doesn't just take it and buy a whole crap load of garbage? And that's exactly what happened. At one point, she was like not eating. And I'm like, great. And then she texted me at one point how the hotel was on fire and 
I was freaking out, but it was just a fire alarm because I guess she doesn't understand that sometimes fire alarms happen and there aren't fires involved. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she's only what, 13, 14? Yeah. Yeah. She's thir- she just turned 13. So she's like, yeah, she's young. She's texting me in airports, all these weird things. And I'm like, oh my God, why did I let her go anywhere by herself? And no offense to men. But the chaperones were both these two single men, oh, like geez. the teachers. So I was like, you know, I was just like, oh, dear God. That's crazy. <laughs> I would love for a woman to be there because sometimes men just don't think well, about the, the fact that 18 kids need a really firm hand. Yes. In the future, <laughs> if she's going to go on any trips like that, you should volunteer to be a chaperone so you can go. Dude, with. I will certainly after this time, I was like, I, why am I sitting here? Yeah. I can't be sitting here while she's like texting me these stupid things. All right, let's go back to uh, weird discoveries and how they, I mean, it's I've, I've always been fascinated from the time I was a little kid of, of how people came up with stuff like the recipe for bread or the recipe for a cake. I mean, think of, you're, you're going to go, oh, well, let's add this egg and this flour and oh, well, yeah, we're going to need this and this. I mean, the, the precision involved in coming up with recipes and how people actually get anything fucking made. <laughs> yeah, but there's a whole science behind how each, each ingredient acts with another ingredient that if you have that kind of knowledge, right. then you're going to know what it takes. No, I'm talking about the it. first people to well, try yeah, that I shit know. out. Yeah, because oh, they weren't making real cakes. They made some nasty combination of mush and mash and baked it over the fire, and it was yeah. burnt and and yeah. gritty and nasty. But it was better than eating bushes. Yeah. I what guess. Idiot, yeah. See, I, I'm more fascinated by things like what idiot was like, hey, look at my Mentos. I bet it would taste great if I dropped it in this Coke bottle <laughs> and then decide and then realized that it went. There was this show that I used to watch and it was a long time ago. And okay. I like to watch like PBS <laughs> and this was a I show do that, too. You're fine. that came on PBS and it, it told you the story on how things were invented, like potato chips, the chimichanga. Did you know that the chimichanga was a mistake? Somebody uh, dropped a burrito into the deep fryer. And that's how they came with the, up with the chimichanga and the chocolate chip cookie. They had chocolate chip cookies on there one time. And I don't know the specifics, but there was one customer that came into this restaurant for a chocolate cookie that they made like with cocoa and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was a complete ass. And one time they were out of chocolate to make these chocolate chip cookies. So they decided to take a brick of chocolate and break off pieces and they thought that it would mix when it melted and it didn't. And that's how they came up with chocolate chip cookies. Huh. Happy accident. Because some asshole customer <laughs> <laughs> didn't accept the fact that they were out of cocoa and wanted his chocolate chip, his chocolate cookie. That's cool. But I mean, like, who's the first person decided to paint their nails? Well, I imagine that Probably happened like way back, like in Egypt and stuff when they used to paint themselves or like, Think about like the Native Americans who like use face paint 
and which is they now, paint their bodies. Which is now makeup. It's just yeah, fascinating. Which is now makeup. Yeah, it's just fascinating yeah. to me how how these things begin. And then once they begin, people automatically start improving on them because that's who we are as people. We immediately mm-hmm. start going, oh, that's good, but I could make it better. The better mousetrap. Yeah. Yeah. And what if we take that, you know, slash on your on your cheek for the uh, tribal painting and we just blend that a little bit. Just blend, <laughs> blend, 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 blend. Just blend it. I can tell you there's a lot of women I would have liked to knock to the ground and blend their blush. <laughs> I totally would have done yeah. it too. I have a theory that it was a man. It was some man and he was like, ugh, my woman looks weird. Here. I'm going to introduce you to somebody famous, but first, let's pretend your face doesn't exist and put crap all over it. Ta-da! <laughs> I have a theory that all the things I hate were invented by men. <laughs> Man marries an uggo and is like, hmm, let's invent makeup. To make like the whole better. freaking shaving thing. Like, I mean, tell me some man didn't decide, women, you know what? You need to shave your legs. Actually, I think I read something about that, how they weren't making enough money off of razors because guys weren't shaving their faces enough or the war started or something and they were losing money. So they started being like, <laughs> women, you know, the new thing is you got to shave your pits and your legs. <laughs> and now I look wonder, at us. And now look at razors. us. We're hairless. Yeah. And then we oh. obsess about how we're not. And then we buy crazy $200 laser bullshit. Yes. That's exactly right. And no, I haven't spent that money on that thing yet, but I'm going to. And gonna. then put well, it in the closet and never yet. wear it yeah. and never use it. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably what will happen is I'll, I'll do it one time ago. Well, that's a pain in the ass. I still remember you guys know this. I actually did this. It's kind of embarrassing, the fact that I did it as long as I did. But it was these uh, these tweezers that that supposedly put an electrical charge to kill Ow. the hair follicle, right? Mm-hmm. So you you would grip it all the way at the base of the hair and hold it for 30 seconds or two minutes or four minutes or whatever the fuck it was, and then you pull it out. And I did that. I would spend hours doing it. Did it Doesn't work? It sound like it did much. It didn't do anything. Do you remember when they first came out with the Epilady, which is basically just a couple of springs that pulls your hair out? I think somebody yeah. who had a wristwatch came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you pull all the fucking hair off your arm when you got one of those bands. There's somebody's like, ooh, let's use that same that same concept and let's put it into something you can roll across your legs and pull all your hair out. Ow. Uh, yeah, that no. shit hurt. The hair didn't grow back really quickly, but um if it grows back at all, it was not worth it. <laughs> but at least we'll be be happy when we're able to spend some money on on Prime Day buying something yeah. that we feel hopeful about. Sure, <laughs> there's always hope, even if it's false. Going back to the bread and stuff, could you imagine the first person that looked at a penis and said, "I think I want want to make a cake out of that." I bet that I was a man. That I bet that was a man too. You think so? <laughs> yeah, because think about it. What's the first thing a man draws when you give him a pen or a boy? What's the first thing a boy draws? Thank you. I was like, oh. What's the first thing a boy draws when you give him a pen? He draws his dick. He draws a dick. They draw dicks on the walls in the bathroom and they draw them on their papers and they chuckle and laugh. They draw big (laughs) dicks because they don't have big dicks. (laughs) I was waiting for that. Yeah. So, so seriously. A man is the 
first person that made an inappropriate body part into a cake. It has or to be. he said, he said, wife, I want you to make me a cake shaped like this. <laughs> Only make it bigger. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. A man didn't make the first dick cake. Uh, he yeah. had some woman do it. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's probably some some uh, English, Ingles. It's probably some English <laughs> some English lord went down to the hey, kitchens one Paul night. Paul Ingalls was <gasps> saint. No way! It was one of those settlers, like in North Dakota in the eighteen hundreds. He was like, you know what would be fun? <laughs> Wife that lives like two centimeters from our children. Like, hey, why don't we have a cake made in the shape of a penis and then try to explain it to our kinfolk why that exists? Well, you know, they didn't have a lot to do back then. They didn't have TV and cell phones. So Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> they didn't have a lot to do. In all the shows I see, it takes like 24 hours for her to make like grain. <laughs> After the grain's all... You have to take the grain and you have to grind it down to flour. And then after you ground the flour, you have to grind it again because it's not fine enough. Maybe it was those cold winter nights that or winter (laughs) weeks that there was too much snow on the ground to leave your cabin or your hovel. Your hovel. Personally, you know, it had to have been royals, though. Seriously. Nobody else had had that kind of disposable money. Ingredients. Exactly. No, you know what it was? It was someone who was was like a Greek and Roman. I bet there was erotic food in both those I bet so. They were very erotic. It had to have been an accident. Like, hey, here's a... You know what I love? I love my silo over there. And you know how it has those two bushes at the bottom? Make a cake of my silo on those two bushes. And then they were like, you know what this actually looks like? And everybody yeah, was looks like, like we should cake. make more penis cake. It's bigger. Do they make boobs cakes? Oh, yeah. yeah. I see way yeah, more penis cake. cakes than I do boob cakes. No, they make boob cakes. Boob cakes would be difficult because they got no, like boob cakes wouldn't. I mean, you can buy the bowls that you can bake. Yeah, cakes you just in. bake them in bowls. I have. Yeah, I have a bowl that you can, that it's tempered so you can bake a, a round cake in it. And then you just put a Hershey kiss on the top and then you just put frosting over top of it. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Looks like a boob. Obviously, I don't bake much. Couple candy corns. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, why are your nipples orange <laughs> and yellow? <laughs> Well, you put frosting over top of it to make it the color you want it. Why to do be. they taste like the most disgusting things <laughs> on earth? Oh no, here we go again. We've opened a rabbit hole we didn't mean to open. Thanks, Bonnie. <laughs> I can take everything full circle, man. That's um no, they do that on purpose to make sure that they're their little boys don't date until they're very much older because then they think nipples taste like candy corns. <laughs> I don't Just know. kidding. I don't know. That I like candy corns. I was going to say, I don't think that's a bad thing. I like I would, candy corns. I corn. would eat those nipples. Yeah. See, you're, you're the odd man out, Keith. Whatever. You guys are all psycho. Something has happened to your brains. <laughs> Too many nipple cakes made out of candy corns. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna make a penis With cake, licorice, you really have like, to be. You really have to be. Pull apart licorice to make it look like the pubes. Uh-huh. You could have the kids <laughs> shaver beforehand. Here, kids, here's a straight no, no, razor. Toasted, toasted coconuts, the way to go. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's definitely pube-like. You'd have to diet though, because you know, grandma pubes that'd really be yummy. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good way to teach your kids how to shave their vaginas is with a cake. Now, everybody <laughs> take your razors. Oh, I be see gentle. Cake. That's a cut. <laughs> Ooh, the filling should be like bright red. So that way you cut it. It's like, <laughs> it's like death. You make it a, a blood red velvet cake. Oh, this is, you guys, this is getting disgusting. I think and you we- see the, the principal standing in the hallway outside the class who overhears, teacher, Billy's eating my vagina. <laughs> so much for that whole Met class. I'm getting canceled. Why is my vagina so red? <laughs> <sighs> All right, we got to quit. And that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.